This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hey folks, Amazon Web Services CXO Coffee Club, harnessing data for personalized insurance experiences, concluded on the 15th of August. Our founder, Malik Ali, sat down with Cindy Kwa, co-founder and CEO for Sunday, Raymond Wong, Chief Technology Officer for Zurich Insurance and Takaful Malaysia, Srinivasan Somasundaram, Client Partner for Insurance ASEAN and Greater China for Cognizant, and Nipun Grover, Head of Business Development and GTM ASEAN of Amazon Web Services, to discuss the latest insurance industry trends, seamless transformation of digital insurance, and overcoming the challenges of legacy core systems with minimal risk and complexities. If you have any thoughts, WhatsApp us on our U-Mobile number at 018-789-8899. And with that, let's join them for the discussion. Thank you very much for um, agreeing to be on the panel. Um, I think uh, here we have uh, examples, I guess, um, uh, from two, I guess, um, companies, um, two in- uh, insurance companies, uh, both in actually different spectrums, actually. I think Zurich has various, um, you know, been around how many years. I, I didn't do the research on that, but it must be at least 150. Yeah. Wow. And then we have Sunday, which has been in existence for about eight, uh, ten? No, five years. Five. <laughs> wow. So there's a, there's a huge difference. One classifies as a you know, full-fledged uh, insurance company. I guess you have four, all, the four composite, all the four licenses, I guess, in Malaysia. And then I think you're not, you're not in Malaysia. Not, not saying that you've been in Malaysia, but, you're, um, you, know, but you have operate, definitely have operation in Thailand and Indonesia. And then we have Cognizant, and then we have also AWS. And I think uh, these are, uh, you guys are kind of like supporting uh, partners and supporting clients in, in their insurance journey and also in, in their sort of um, in, in developing more personalized insurances. So nice, nice spectrum of, um, of folks and we can, we can contrast with each other. And if you guys have any questions, uh, um, thing, I, I'm also, um, I'm, I'm quite willing not just to go on the, uh, on, on, on online, but you can just ask me directly. You know, there's no, no, no issues at all. Okay, great. Um, I like to start off first um, with Cindy, Cindy, because you're the newest kid on the block. Uh, what, I mean, the title of um, seminar today, um, the, the presentation today is about harnessing data for personalized insurance experiences, right? What, what does personalized insurance mean to you? Um, I'm sure that when you went into this industry, that was definitely part of the, 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 the offering, right? So what does it mean to you? Uh, yeah, for me personally, uh, when you buy a Sunday uh, health insurance policy or car insurance policy, um, it's a full e-commerce shopping website. Uh, if you're typically uh, trying to top up your mobile banking data with your telco as well, so in Thailand it's True or, or AIS, then uh, we also provide that SaaS platform. So when you're topping up your data, if you forgot you want to uh, pay up your monthly insurance uh, premium, you can do that as well with Sunday because we're a partner with the telco as well. Um, and after you've completed your entire full e-commerce checkout, we're also integrated with Payment Gateway. So you have a full suite of payment solutions to increase conversions. And after sales services, that means uh, just whip out our super app. You can manage your health and car insurance policy within a single app. Uh, policy management, uh, claims, claim status checks. We also have uh, care and non-care services. So the, the care services is not insurance services. So it's like we have a digital twin avatar to engage you. Um, so that is kind of personal for me as well because it helps me to uh, let me know uh, what kind of chronic diseases that I'm suffering from so that uh, to solve two objectives. First objective, to buy more insurance if I'm not covered for a certain type of uh, tropical disease, for example. Or number two, um, if uh, it predicts my medical care forecast, uh, then what can I do to actually lower down my risk of entering to a, uh, into another hospital visit? So to me, that's kind of personal. Um, previously, uh, when I used to buy uh, health or car insurance, no one has really done that for me. Um, I used to be insured by AIA, uh, but honestly, AIA Vitality is so expensive for me, I couldn't afford going to fitness first all the time because I was also a student. Uh, so we needed a solution that's more personal to me. Yeah. yeah right. uh, just by way of background, I guess, um, for those of you who, who uh, just a little bit more background on Sunday, um, I think they went into Thailand as the first market. Um, I think they bought over a car, um, uh, car insurance. Um, uh, yeah, so we, we actually started off as a full-stack insure tech group. Uh, we, uh, we're a licensed broker. We're also now a digital insurer where I actually bought over two traditional assets, KSK uh, Thailand and KSK Malay, uh, Indonesia. So before KSK, they used to be Kurnia. 
so yeah, that was how we actually started. So we're yeah. also an underwriter. That's right. Yeah. So I think they're they're in a lot of spaces. I think the whole um, value chain. And then the interesting thing is, I guess from from car, you went into health. That's right. Uh, which is which is a different, complete, uh, quite quite a different ball game. Yeah. And I guess in in health, can give us some example of personalized insurance experiences in health. I mean, have what have you seen there? Yeah, so I think, I mean, the market is super aggressive, right? We compete with FWD, Prudential, AIA, um, the, the likes of it, HelloDoc in Indo as well. Uh, but personally for Sunday, I think uh, it's all about um, increasing insurance penetration rates, uh, trying to capture markets um, across omni-channels through partners online or whatever it is. Uh, but personalization, I've seen... Uh, from Alive to Pulse from uh, Prudential. Everyone's trying to get, uh, pull out a fitness score, AI machine learning fitness score, digest information, wearables, uh, uh, toggle on and off, you know, uh, whether you consent to share your personal data um, to provide you the best discounts to your next insurance policy. A lot of use cases. There are a lot of non-insurance use cases as well. Like I mentioned, fitness score for us. We, we just launched last month our digital twin uh, to engage you even further and collect more useful data in the hopes of uh, advising you, uh, you know, how to manage your care better as well. Yeah. Okay. I'm already exhausted listening to you. <laughs> it's a lot. Insurance <laughs> is tough, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and, and um, now, I, I guess, um, um, what, uh, I just wanted to find out also, uh, from your point of view, um, what, is, what has your um, experience been at Zurich um, in terms of like, what does personalized insurance mean for you? Um, well, we have been um, trying to do what Cindy has been doing, but, a lot, but um, you know we are the, the low company with 150 years experience already, but um, we also wanted to be um, seen innovative. Uh, but if you ask me about uh, personalized experience, uh, it's about how we can actually um, provide the right products, the right uh, um, services to the to the customers whenever they need it. Um, it can be even up to the point that um, you can actually turn on and off on the protections that you need, uh, and also um, the. Um, how do you even get the service directly from the company without even actually know the, um, um, engaging the company? For instance, if you have purchased uh, um, travel insurance and then you've got a flight delay, uh, if you have, uh, would you find it better if the insurance company actually just notify you that you've got a flight delay and has your, your, your claims payment right away into your pocket? So those kind of um, experience would be something that I think um, the customer would be expecting. Um, and we all know um, insurance is something that no one actually wakes up in the morning and say, I want to buy insurance today. So uh, creating those kind of um, experience would be uh, something very uh, good. Okay. Um, so I guess, um, Raymond, I guess uh, coming from the, f um, the fact that you, know, you are, uh, you've been around a long time, Zoom's been around a long time, uh, obviously cloud, uh, you precede cloud by at least 130 years, 135 years, right? So... Um, so I guess what now that now that I think you obviously you have you've built up systems um, and uh, uh, we call it legacy systems, but they've been working fine and functional and things like that. Um, now that now that suddenly this um, this ability to actually um, sort of adopt cloud, um, how has that? Uh, what's your thinking around that? Is it something that you know you see as a, a primary business objective, or is it something along the lines of like as needed basis? How do you approach cloud, and how do you, did, I mean maybe your your experience as CTO, right? And just trying to over the four things, uh, how you know you had, you saw my experience with cloud. Just, you heard about my experience with cloud. What was your experience with cloud when you first came and presented the opportunity for yourself? Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's no longer a, a point of whether it's needed or not. It's definitely a journey that we have go through. We have to go through. Um, um, but you, you mentioned earlier. Um, sorry, uh, that was uh, AWS. I mentioned earlier that uh, many of the insurance companies say we can't go cloud because of Bangalore. Mm. But uh, that's no such thing anymore. And, and why the relax is because Bangalore also understand that that's already something that is, uh, we, we, we can't avoid. Um, I think everyone is it's already moved to Office 365 um, or, or equivalent. Today, you have your files all on the, onto, the, the, onto the cloud storage and then whatever. So it's already something that we cannot avoid. So uh, it's just, to me, as a tech person, 
it will be another alternative that I have to always evaluate when I'm going out for a new solution. So uh, with the traditional way of um, on-prem or outsourcing and whatnot, now this cloud is definitely an option that we must evaluate before we actually uh, decide on what to do next. Okay. All right. Great. And uh, now I'd like to pass it to Sri Srinivasan. Um, I'm sure you've had uh, insurance clients that sort of had this kind of like thing about do we where do we start, right? I mean, do we start with the whole uh, wholesale go, go, know, with our core systems, or do we experiment a little bit at the uh, at the edges or with a certain module or with certain things? How 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 does your kind of like uh, in your experience when you've talked to your insurance clients, where have they kind of landed on this one? Money. Yeah. Thanks, Malik. It, it's a good question, right? It's 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 a journey, right? Cloud is is a is a journey. It's on maturity, right? If you asked this question few years before, the answer might have been different, right? Where it started, it, initially the maturity was it's kind of a you know I'm on prem. Can I move to cloud? Can I uh, do the expense optimization, infrastructure cost, right? Would have been the start of a journey. I do lift and shift and and move to the cloud, right? And the later realization is, hey, why do I do lift and shift? I get an opportunity to start rationalizing, and you know, I can try to modernize my applications, right? Do an APR. There are a number of uh, some, some large companies carries hundreds of applications. If you really try to do an APR exercise, you will find 10, 20 percentage of them really doesn't give that kind of a business value, right? Then it moves towards an application, uh, you know, rationalization, modernization mode. But the journey doesn't stop there, right? And the second level of maturity started when they started identifying the business alignments, right? Uh, cloud is not just an infra play. Then there is a realization, you know, uh, you know, if there is a problem in claims, I need to do a fraud analytics claims. I want to experiment, do it faster, and launch it. And cloud gave that ability, right? And identifying the business specific problem and look at those solutions, experiment. Then the play become wider, and we have started seeing the customers moving towards a lot of business alignment, right? And what we are now seeing is it's it's going beyond. It's a strategic alignment across the enterprise. I'm very successful in one market. I want to go to the next market. I want to expand my distribution channels, right? Cloud is a better way to go get a faster reach, right? And and what we are seeing is it it started as a, a, you know infrastructure play, but the potentials are boundless, right? We are in, in towards an enterprise-wide strategy to get your business growing. So that's how we see. There are examples where we have seen this is done, but I, I'll park the questions later. Okay. All right. So interesting point. You're saying it starts off as an infrastructure, meaning you know to host data, I guess. That's what I guess that's what you mean by infrastructure. Host data, uh, all, uh, always on capability and 24/7 and all that. And then now it moves on to um, second level. Is second level business alignment. Align my alignment. business needs of specific departments. Distribution. I need to energize my agents. I need to be understand my customer. Right. Yeah. There are solutions which I can experiment and bring it back to the business. That's kind of aligning to each and every department. Yeah. yeah. And now it's at an enterprise level strategic alignment on organizations' vision and goal. How do I want to move? Okay. And I guess one of the strategic alignments is what we talked just about just now about basically you know sort of using AI and ML to be able to kind of like create this sort of uh, in your words business alignment. Yeah. Um, I like to put, put well now put it through to Nippon. Um, Nippon, what are the some, I mean some examples of successful um, you know this second level beyond infrastructure, the second level AI and ML implementation um, at in, in the insurance industry that you have you have encountered. I think Malik, uh, good question, and Gurinder covered quite a bit uh, mm. during his presentation as well. So I'm going to share my personal experience. So I'm, I'm new to AWS. I joined about six months back, but I come from an insurance industry, right? Yep. So I've been in the insurance industry for 15 years. Yeah. I think I've I've seen few AI and ML implementations in last three to five years. Probably if you look at three to five years back, AI ML used to be a buzzword, right? Mm. But now most of the insurance companies have already implemented it mm. or they're looking to implement it. Like I think it's going to be happening same with NAI, mm. right? But one of the successful AI uh, and ML implementations I've seen in my personal experience is around fraud. Mm. Um, my previous company, and that's a referenceable one, that's why I can mention, Liberty Mutual. Mm. Uh, we implemented video surveillance tools uh, in markets like Thailand, 
uh, Vietnam and, and now Malaysia as well, where we are actually looking to reduce fraud. Uh, if a customer gets a motor insurance claim, they can just submit the motor insurance claim and through AI and ML model, you will be able to detect the amount of damage which has been done. So it actually helped in reducing quite a lot of fraud. Uh, another one which I'm working right now is with a life insurance company uh, in, in Singapore. They have a very interesting use case with their compliance team. So the compliance team was actually spending a lot of time uh, detecting the anomalies in, in behavior of agents. Uh, and because you need to be making sure the agents are complying with the regulations and standards. So they were spending a lot of time. And through some of the AI and ML models they have implemented, uh, they are actually able to, to reduce the time of compliance in, in going through that, right? Mm -hmm. And we're obviously, you, you need to keep on redefining your uh, AI and ML models, and we are working with them to redefine the AI and ML models. Mm -hmm. Another one which Gurinder shared is around omni-channel uh, customer experience. I think customer experience is very, very important. Uh, so we are working with with quite a lot of insurance companies and helping them to improve customer experience. Because if you look at, I think the acquisition cost of of insurance companies is actually very very high, mm. right? So I think most of the insurance, and I was actually looking at distribution myself before. I think one of the important things for us to monitor is actually look at the whole customer lifetime value, right? So you just don't want to acquire the customer and the customer goes away, right? There's a big focus on acquiring the customer lifetime value, so you need to be making sure you have a good omni-channel customer experience, and there have been quite a lot of AI implementations around there as well. Again, I think it completely depends. Every company has their own um, use case where they are looking to implement AI and ML. Mm. I think I'll, I'll add on to your first point as well, what you were asking asking with uh, from Srini, right? I think one of the thing is, firstly, identify what's the business problem you're looking to solve. I think that's where cloud can add the most value. You need to be making sure you have the management buy-in uh, as well, and you don't have to uh, start big, right? You can just uh, identify a small problem and go for solving it. Okay, yeah. great. I like the idea that you said management buy-in, and um, I think uh, for someone it's in the management buy-in, no problem, right? She's management, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that's why Sunday is doing a lot of great things. Yes, right. Uh, uh, Raymond, can I just come to you about this one, about management buy-in? Is it easy to get management buy-in? I mean, I, I mentioned the exa my example, John Yap. John Yap had easy, easy management buy-in. I mean, he had me. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. Yeah, let's go for it. What about yourself? Well, but uh, when it comes to AI and, and ML, um, a lot of people have the mindset that it's going to replace something because it um, um, take away a lot of work from humans and, and whatnot, uh, which is not entirely true a lot of time. So, um, so in, for me, in particular, in this topic, uh, I will always advise to go start small, test it out, have the results, and that's where we can actually get more buy-in in okay. when you want to do more uh, bigger scale implementations. All right, great. All right, so start small, especially in the corporate setting. Start small, which, um, prove it, and then and then do it right now. So, Cindy, you have no such problems. Um, you know, if you're a full stack technology um, tech, full stack tech platform, right? So, when you say so, are there any? I mean, even though you started off, um, you are a full stack um, technology um, uh, approach. Um, are, with AI and ML, um, I know you did stuff yourself, right? Um, but now uh, folks like AWS uh, are, are coming up with, their, I guess, from their experiences and the thing. Do you see, um, can, first, can you just go and just say, what have you done yourself? Um, and going forward in the future, do you think you continue to develop it yourself? Yeah, I mean, uh, we, we're not a technology provider. We do use AWS solutions, open source uh, data platforms uh, to apply it uh, to our business models and create use cases. So that's number one. Uh, what Sunday started, uh, we also have our own challenges. Building an insurance company is not easy. Uh, the way we penetrated the market was uh, we started off as a broker, but when we acquired an insurance company, uh, with its own core insurance system that was highly legacy. Uh, what we did was we actually wrapped it out into a cloud as well so that we can actually scale up fast and I don't need to worry about a downtime because we were serving telcos with 40 million subscribers. Mm. Um, this is for device insurance, isn't it? This is for smartphone insurance okay. back then. Um, and now it's a USD 5 million uh, GWP portfolio already growing. Uh, but 
first of all, we also had to create our own data warehouse because when we bought that insurance company, it had 10 years worth of, let's say, motor claims data. But I mean, 10 years is not fresh, so we only used like the first three, recent three years. We had to clean the whole data, um, match it with open source data as well. So we, in the end, have to build our own uh, raw data, raw layer, data mud, uh, transactional, you know, and then it's ready to deploy and used by all sorts of users. So we had to actually go through that, that entire process before we could even start AI machine learning. Mm. Um, and then AI machine learning, after that, we had to sit down with all of our um, data scientists, pricing and uh, uh, engineers, underwriters, claims assessors, product owners, sales, business, operations, legal, finance, to really prioritize what use cases that we want as a startup. Because back then, our priority, which is still today, is to grow new users and to grow uh, tremendously at 2, 3x scale. So, um, yeah, I think we also had our challenges and that was what we had to do. We also had to build our own core system around the legacy system so that we limit the core legacy system to just storage where it's highly regulated by regulators. So we didn't want to touch it and there isn't really much innovation that we could uh, add value at that point in time. Yeah. Okay. So that's what the legacy system has been reduced to now, just a, as a storage, uh, storage, storage function. Yeah, so we built the entire e-commerce um, uh, uh, front end and back end and then just did an API integration to the core legacy system and that's it. Yeah. Wow, okay, <laughs> great. So, uh, Sri, when you hear about this, I mean, is it is it uh, like um, is is uh, has any clients gone as extreme as uh, as as Sunday in in this area, or do they, you know, have you seen any any examples of that? I, I think um, Asia Pacific market, especially, I think uh, we are seeing this is a big movement. I think maybe in in other market, it's taking slow because a lot of legacy applications, right? But yeah. uh, what we see Sunday kind of companies, you start in a point which is extremely different from a traditional insurer started like 135 years journey mm. to your starting point is completely different. You are having the liberty of using all the latest technologies and right using the right business case, right? I think the journeys are completely different. I can see a lot of there's a huge growth in this market. I think the biggest competition is how do I use digital for my business, right? So I am seeing a lot of, you know, insurtechs are leveraging that. Yeah. yeah. Nippon, um, what are kind of like, you know, I guess, you know, um, we talk about start, start Sunday as a startup, but, and you say they had a different, starting at a different point. What are the challenges, I guess, for an incumbent, uh, kind of like an existing company with you know existing systems and all that? Um, what are the challenges that they have in implementing uh, ML and AI? Um, I guess the, some of the things that we mentioned just now that you know um, uh, that, that Grinda mentioned, um, you know, to to do this. What are the challenges that you think? And maybe some people here do experience that. And if you if you know, and feel free to outline what your own challenges are, and, and you know, for 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 the panel. I, I think firstly, I can tell it to everyone. Everyone goes through challenges in implementing AI and ML, right? I think the challenges are unique depending on the company. So, I think one of the big challenges which I have personally seen is around change management, right? Insurance, if you look at it, is a very very small industry. People have been doing similar things for 20, 25, 30 years. If you want to implement a new change, I think people are really worried what's going to happen, right? So I think that's why I brought up the point before as well. I think having a management buy-in is very, very important. I think once you're able to actually show the tangible value you're actually able to generate in implementing AI and ML and getting a management buy-in, I think that helps in solving a lot of problems in terms of uh, change management. Mm. Uh, if you look at it, I think data privacy and regulations um, is is another one. Uh, insurance is a heavily regulated industry. We need to protect our data. So I think uh, that is another challenge. And insurance companies are looking to solve that problem by having like encryption techniques, securing their infrastructure. Um, uh, if you look at it, I think again, insurance is a heavily regulated industry as well. So making sure you're actually working with the regulator when you're implementing AI and ML solution is also, I think, um, is, is also a big challenge. Um, I think the, another one which I can think of is shortage of talent, mm. right? Uh, we still don't have enough talent in the market to implement AI and ML, especially in the insurance sector. Mm. 
and and i think insurance companies have now started and aws has a lot of partners as well and and we work with likes of cognizant who can actually help you mm-hmm. uh in 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 fulfilling that gap and and avoiding the problem of skill shortage so i think these are some of the challenges and that's how organizations are looking to solve it but again i think from my experience every organization has its own challenges and and happy to discuss it uh, yeah. at a later stage if anybody wants to discuss it Okay. Maybe can can yeah, I sure, also please. add a bit on this? Um, I think one of the, the biggest challenge that people always face is um, how do you find a use case and yeah. what do you expect from the use case? Because um, even with the same use case, the different approach actually can give you a different results. Uh, I'll give you an example that uh, what we are currently going going through. Um, we wanted to to put in um, some um, ML to de- do do detection on um, baggage damage. So uh, in order to travel claims, we always ask customers to, to upload um, the photo of the baggage um, to show that it's a damage and so on. Um, we, we could actually put in an uh, ML to identify this photo is really about a, a baggage and you're not uploading a house or a car and whatnot. Um, but when we create this use case, the expectation from the business team is, okay, uh, I don't need to do the work anymore. The machine is going to take over and tells me that this is not uh, a baggage and rejecting the, the photo. The, um, upfront, which I, I, I tell them, no, that's not going to work because number one, um, regardless of how good your model is, there will still be a 99.99 kind of um, uh, success rate. The 0.1 or 0.01 failure will give a wrong um, experience for a customer. Mm. I've uploaded the right photo, but you're telling me that's not. Mm. So um, can we actually look at it as a different um, 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 dimension? I will still let the process through and I actually picks up the exception and verified it later on and then um, address it subsequently. That will, will create a different experience. So the, the use case, number one, and then the expectation of what you're going to get, it's going to play a lot of uh, um, role in this. Yeah. I have a personal example of that. I guess in the insurance tech company that we have, we have to do EKYC, um, and we send, off, um, we send off it to uh, uh, EKYC. I mean, they check on the identity against... Uh, terrorists and wanted people database, right? And there's no way I'm going to go back and immediately respond, sorry, uh, your application is rejected because we suspect you're a <laughs> so we always kind of like yep. push it to manual and then and then figure it out at the back end, right? So you're right. I think we can't just do it wholesale. We just have to do it in the fix. Okay, I just want to open it to the floor a little bit and just ask: Is there any? If you had a use case, you know, something that's on your mind. Is there a use case that you really want? Yeah, I want to solve this issue. I really, really want to solve this issue. This issue. Is there any any um, anything on your mind? It doesn't. You know, um, is there anyone who can volunteer what what issues they want to resolve? In their space, Alan. Yeah. Yes. Go on. Yeah. Different problems. Yeah, a lot of different problems. Not personal problems, please. Just interest problems. <laughs> <laughs> so no. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about in terms of personalization and you know data privacy, you brought up right. So I mean, there are some cases of working with partners, and some of these are private data that's you know regulated from their company, some data from our company. How are you managing that? Sharing of data. I think, I think this is a common problem which keeps on coming up, especially if you're dealing with FNAD partners, right? Like, say you're you're an insurance company dealing with bank assurance partners. Uh, you want to process big amount of data. So, again, from Amazon perspective, uh, we have launched a service called AWS Clean Rooms, where you can actually analyze the data without sharing the personal information and there can be still uh, modeling which can be done around it. So I think that is, from Amazon perspective, that's how we're looking to solve it. That's interesting. I've never, yeah, that's the first time I've heard of something like that. That's actually quite interesting to where you have a neutral place where you kind of like, you know, sort of do your analysis on that data. Hmm, all right. Any other, Alan, any supplementary questions to that or are you okay with that or is there? We'll find out more. Okay, good. Sounds good. Any any other use cases that? Okay, just to just to kind of understand a little bit about uh, a little bit about that. Um, so, do uh, if at Sunday, um, do you? Um, of course, yeah. You know, I, I, I know you're, you. You um, are there any particular applications that you actually say? You know what? Um, uh, we um, although we have developers in house. How many developers do you have? Eighty. Uh, 80, right? I have 80 developers, but there's still certain things that I need to 
um, there's no point um, us doing it in-house. We need to do it. Uh, we need to engage someone else to help us with this or and so on. It's, for example, I know you do document processing yourself, right? The scanning from the hospitals to give you, basically your, you have, we talked a little bit about this, um, you scan your own documents. Because now you hear about, you know, kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the service, uh, DAW service can do the same thing as well. Um, in your mind, if you, if we, if you ha were approaching that decision tree now, as opposed to before, would you consider like, look, actually instead of doing this in-house and trying to figure it out ourselves, we should do, we should try engage someone else to help us with this. Would that be, is that, is there any, is that would be, would that be kind of like your, how would you think about it now? Yeah, I think um, speed to market is always uh, one of the uh, big advantage of acquiring the next customer. So the question whether you buy or build, rent or build, um, is always a, a question we ask every day with my chief data and CTO as well. Um, I would say until today, I think, uh, we would still develop in-house all of our AI machine learning models, um, mainly all our models, but we do continue to use like H2O.ai, the open source data platforms, which runs over 100 stats models. Uh, we do use AWS Lambda, AWS SageMaker, ECS, S3. Um, their serverless architecture, we're all using those um, services as well. So we're also using GPT-4 now uh, for some non-core insurance features. So those stuff we will continue to use and apply. Um, but for our um, anything that touches customer experiences, uh, e-commerce, native apps, we will build in-house. Uh, but our maybe our core insurance uh, uh, modules uh, like policy, admin, claims, reserving, reinsurance modules. I will probably work, continue to work with the vendor because that's compliance, um, and I, I I don't think we we it's our priority to change that. Um, and and I think that a lot of people who's been here for many years who have already optimized and are experts in that more than us. So we would certainly collaborate with them on that front. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, you might not. You might not know this, but uh, Cindy is a lawyer by training. Can you imagine that? I'm a lawyer by training too, and not I'm a actually. Good writer, obviously. <laughs> I know it's. I'm like I'm. I'm actually like wow. You know, like uh, you know. Um, Ray, Raymond, what about what about you? I think we were similar to to Sunday. Um, in fact, today there's no such thing as um, one managing everything by herself. There will, be, there will be components that we need to use from the um, um, vendors or for, with the partners. So uh, especially those uh, specialized uh, items. I think we have partners like Merriman here uh, on the claims and uh, claim solution and etc. So the the question about whether we build everything, there's no. Not, not a question anymore. We'll definitely have to work together with partners to get things done. All right. Um, Sri, I just want to, to uh, ask you now. You have a client in front of you, and they're ready to sort of, you know, um, embark on one of the sort of um, AI ML implementations uh, that, that you have. They're ready. Um, how would you kind of like, I used to be from consulting before, and my, mine was consulting on the strategy side, right? So we build up, basically we, we create a case team, uh, you have a project uh, case team manager, um, you have a steering committee, and you then you basically you kind of like, kind of like sort of pick members from the, the client team that will work in the team as well, and the consulting team that we work together in one room to do that. So that's kind of like the engagement model, right? What do you recommend for clients who said, all right, I'm, I'm for it, I'm just, uh, there's, a business, there's a use case and we want to achieve this. How would you construct, how would you even begin the process of like, you know, uh, engaging so that it becomes a successful implementation, right? So you have AWS on your side, um, you, have, you have client, client teams, you have client uh, management teams, you have client technical teams. How would you organize? Yeah, yeah. I, I also come from a consulting background, so... Um, I think the one thing we realized is uh, you mentioned about the use cases are identified. We we actually try to validate them, right? I think we use a technique, uh, for example, use something called future mapping. So if you decide something now and you embark on a journey for one, two years, at the time you are there, it might have been late in the game, right? So what we do recently is we move you in the later, right? You you assume yourself here two, three years down the line, and we create a simulator situation. We call it as a future mapping. For example, 10 years before, if I was talking about a driverless car and who are you going to insure, 
kind of question could have been a fancy word, right? Nobody would have assumed those things, right? So what we do initially is to validate these use cases by time travel you two, three years, and then put those scenarios. It can be imaginary, it can be real, but that actually helps you to think beyond what you are currently doing. Your problem that you are addressing currently, two, three years, something could have been there, right? So that's the first step we do, validate the use cases, try to make you think about a two, three years journey and then identify the right set of use cases. And most important, we all spoke about the organization alignment, the executive alignment. That's very important for us, right? And there has to be a buy-in. There has to be a strategic focus for doing this. That is second thing we try to, you know, get that buy-in, right? Third is a business case. In most of the time, either it's AML or cloud, we've been seeing that it's the biggest challenge to build the right business case, right? Because the benefits are not going to be magical. It's not going to be immediate. You may have, in some period of time, you're going to spend more. Then you start going to get the, you know, the graph is not like immediately going to go down in terms of cost, and it's not going to go up, right? So that maturity, that awareness, we use, uh, you know, for example, if you do cloud, then we identify those pillars, and we, we draw them, we simulate them to show when are you actually going to get benefit, right? And the fourth is, we create something called value driver framework. You need to measure yourself in every part of the journey. What are those key drivers going to make difference, right? And what's going to be your baseline? Baseline is very difficult in today's context. In many companies, you will have a baseline. In some companies, you may not. So you spend time to build a value driver. The last is think about your organization change from day one when you are embarking on this, right? If the team is not going to buy in and not going to effectively use it, Whatever you are spending, you may not really get the benefit. So mm -hmm. these are all certain things we do when we start, of course, uh, uh, technology. We are strong as a service provider. We can bring your partner like AWS, number of solutions available we can bring. But the organization should be ready to take uh, these steps before we start. Um, so um, the, now, like, what... Where do you think? And first, I'll start with you, and maybe I'll make, uh, round out the conversation by starting with you, and and then and then going. Um, which in which areas? I mean, we talk about business use cases, but in your mind, in which areas is sort of you think will benefit the most from AIML right now uh, at the current state of play? I think uh, definitely two areas, and uh, we see a significant uh, benefit from claims, and uh, we spoke about. Okay. Uh, claims as a function, I will keep asking myself, do you want customer to come and report claim, or can you identify claim? It, the industry will, should go towards that, right? Somebody admitted in hospital, if you are all in an ecosystem, you may get it right. So, but uh, in general, we see a lot of use cases coming in claims. And second is agency distribution, and it's one of the toughest profession. Um, I was talking with Pacho, right? So mm -hmm. it's one of the toughest profession. And it can actually help you energize your you, you know agents with number of features, benefits, and you can you can help them motivate on the field, right? So claims and distribution are, I think, there are a number of use cases evolving, and uh, I think that's what I would bet for. Yeah. Um, Raymond, any what's what do you think in you know whether within your organization or as you're reading and things like that? What do you think is the kind of like the the best? Actually, quite quite a lot to me. Yeah. Um, from um, internal process um, efficiency point of view, um, it does help a lot. If I, I use the same example I mentioned, we can identify the photo, whether it's a baggage or not, then um, our staff do not need to actually go in and actually look at those cases, those cases anymore. Um, um, there can be also use case that in, in email coming in from the customer, we can actually use a machine to uh, classify this email as related to um, a payment Issues. This email is related to product inquiries and so on, and then, then can be general to the right team right away. Uh, in terms of customer um, engagement also, uh, we can even use AI today to, to even talk to the customer without actually customer knowing that it's actually a machine talking to you and not a person. Um, also, um, from pricing uh, and, and our risk acceptance uh, criteria, uh, with data modeling that will, will actually help us to reach to a certain decision quicker and, and, and better. Yeah. It's quite a large um, use cases that we can actually explore. Okay. Um, Nippon, in any, um, any areas that you think 
I, th- I think the key one Srini touched upon is, is claims processing. So if you look at it, uh, the number of claims are going up. Uh, there's NATCAT losses, which is happening in the market right now. Uh, if you look at it in terms of motor insurance claim, I was reading an article that the motor insurance claims have actually gone up pre-COVID level. Insurers enjoyed a lot of uh, bottom line uh, happiness during during the COVID time because there was not many motor insurance claims, but now the motor insurance claims are back. So I think claims processing is is, is one of the is one of the areas. I think. Uh, acquiring new customers, especially these Gen Z customers and and these millennial customers, I think it's it's a tough it's it's a tough uh, problem to solve and and it's actually it's it's a big market which insurance companies are trying to capture. So I think uh, that is another one how we are looking to capture these millennial yeah. and Gen Z customers. I think. Uh, yeah. Okay, and the last word on this, I'll I'll leave uh, Cindy. Where do you think you make the most? Where where do you think AIML make the most impact? I definitely agree with the panel claims 100% because it's actually helped me to acquire new users uh, because let's say in Thailand you have still over 40 insurance companies. I have to compete with 40 insurance companies who's been there for the longest time for car insurance. But suddenly um, EV, EV is uh, Thailand is, has 70% of the market share for 10 ASEAN economies. We saw that opportunity, we went in. But the customer segment is very different. These guys are open to new things, right? They want services that are now. So we actually built our self-claim um, AI machine learning uh, car damage assessment like five years ago. When we deployed it, no one wanted to use it. They still wanted the human to assessor on a two-wheel motorcycle come and survey the accident scene. So we actually had to take it off the commercial shelf. And now when we entered EV last year with BYD, Tesla, Volvo, Wooling, um, we deployed it back again. And it has a 60% take-up rate. So it actually has helped me to acquire new users because it's a service differentiation. So I think claims is the number one priority in my opinion. Okay, all right. Um, some of you have submitted questions on, um, on Slido, I think. Um, so I'm going to go through them right now. Um, um, question to Cindy. Um, how outsourcing approach... How does your uh, how does your just how does your outsourcing approach address Sunday long-term business value from asset ownership and external service Provide dependent. Wow, it's a bit. Wow, that's a very big question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to understand it first. Uh, the question is a question on. This is a. Uh, would you like to ask a question up front? It's okay. It's, you can you can you ask immediately. How does outsourcing address your long-term business value? Oh yeah, okay. I think we. That's fundamentally it, right? Meaning. You, you talked just now about yeah. your core uh, insurance being not, you're not outsourcing that. You're going to do your own AIML, yeah. that, but in other areas. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think first of all, uh, we're a full stack. Full stack means we do everything. We're a SaaS provider. We're a brokerage firm. We're also an uh, uh, insurance company ourselves. Uh, we want to own the asset, i.e. we want to be an insurance company ourselves because number one, insurance is a product of a service. If you don't have ownership of the license, you can't build claim service. So that's number one. And because of that, um, to have that claim control and that, that um, right to design customer journey, we want to own everything from the customer experience from pre-sales, sales, after sales, right? That means um, all the way down to TPA platform when you're running, let's say, health insurance. But obviously, this is in stages. Rome is not built in day one. So when we started two years ago, uh, like, uh, like uh, in the first two years, we actually built the front end, everything ourselves. We own that. Uh, but on the back end, we were still working with an outsourced DPA uh, platform to connect with all the providers in Thailand and Indonesia, for example. But uh, running uh, when we mature, we want to bring that claims infrastructure inwards and we built it ourselves after learning all the pain points of a legacy TPA uh, system, then we built one that is even better, microservices architecture, API open uh, ecosystem to, uh, uh, to integrate with telemedicine, medication deliveries, built in APIs to plug in your AI machine learning, claims assessment, stuff like that. So I think um, asset ownership is important to us. Uh, we want to in-house as much as we can, but we are running out of time. So uh, stuff like CRM platform, agency platform that 
many other people have already optimized and are experts. Um, there is no innovation. It's already proven. Let's just use it. Mm. Um, so I would, I would totally work with them. Yeah. Okay, all right, good. Um, so the, um, another question is that, um, this is quite interesting, I guess, because um, um, we, I'm taking question number, uh, how can the integration, I mean, this is very popular, the integration of wearable and health monitoring data uh, into insurance offerings, right? Um, so I think there's a lot of, um, uh, what's the word? There's a lot of hope for this. Um, in your experiences, um, Raymond, have you had seen this in the medical line? Have you has this affected your premiums at all, and things like that? Has have you seen it? You know, really, you know, the, has the hope materialized that if I'm a, if I make act, active effort to be healthier, it will be reflected in how the insurance company treats me or my premiums? Yeah. Actually, um, from what I've seen today, it's only a data that to supplement our decision-making, and we haven't actually gone down to the stage that we really use the data for uh, premium pricing. Um, there are still some factors that we still have to consider. Number one, am I getting the right data? Um, it's, is the wearable really attached to the right person, and then so on. So those kind of questions are still there. So uh, using it for pricing, I, I don't see anyone really does that, but it could be just a supplementary kind of um, factor by giving you certain discount if you are actually able to actually proven to us you, you are healthy. Uh, I think you, um, we mentioned about AI vitality earlier. That, that's one of the ways that we uh, um, to supplement it. But again, uh, we have question of affordability and so on and so on. Um, with, um, on a non-life um, example, we were trying to do something like telematics as well. So we also have the, the question of whether the device is actually attached to the vehicle so that we can actually price it correctly. Um, um, those are, are still something that we are exploring, and uh, as Zurich, we are also exploring the telematics uh, kind of um, uh, product as well okay. at the moment. In your sphere of your universe, and when you're talking to clients, have you seen this? Oh. I, I think wearable is a, is a very interesting one. I think for me personally, I think it has a lot to do with retention as well and customer loyalty as well. Mm. I think if, if a customer is wearing a wearable, I think they're more committed to you. I think this... The second one is around data. You actually acquire a lot of data, and, and it's clear from AI vitality, right? It's, it's actually in the news, Amplify Health. They are looking to monetize the data as well, and how you can monetize the data is actually uh, another key thing which a lot of insurance companies are looking to do um, okay. um, um, from, right. from this. Yeah. yeah. Um, any thoughts on this, um, Cindy? No, 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 you know this. No, are you not like let let the let the hope carry on? I'm gonna focus on more real things. I don't know. No, no, I I I think wearables were actually deployed it uh, as a recommendation model. So, for example, last month, uh, my health product owner decided to deploy a digital twin feature. It's basically your avatar, and then you it you answer a few health assessment, and then we try to forecast uh, what is your chances of you contracting six types of common diseases that an average Asian would suffer from. Uh, hypertension, diabetes, um, obesity, uh, dengue, stuff like that. Um, and what we try to do is because it's a lot of education, right? Customers is like, I'm not just going to share you my data and then you, you, you increase my prices tomorrow. So what we did was actually um, we have three uh, data, uh, models um, on the app. One is if you share us your variables, this is how accurate it would be comparing versus two other literature models from CDC in the in United States and also Mahiro University in Thailand that is not personalized because it's you, they don't have your personal data. So we use it as an education tool and then the next step as a recommendation model. What should you do next if three models is showing low risk, medium, medium, or high, medium, medium. So yeah, I agree with Raymond, like step by step. I think we also don't dare to use it as premium pricing yet, but use it as a recommendation model first in my point of view, um, and, and let's see where it goes, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. go ahead. The current uh, data insurers use the mortality tables or morbidity being like years and years of data. If there are, I don't know whether we have an actuaries in the room, right? They will tell how much of uh, you know the pattern they've read over the period of time, and we don't even know the impact of COVID. We will see the impact five years, ten years down the line, right? Wearable definitely will find a place later once we really correlate the data with the real claims experiences and the benefits, right? Now I uh, agree with Nivun, right? It's it's used as a retention, right? Mm. How do I engage? So yeah. yeah, I mean I've 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 been to some of these insurance um, um, conferences around. 
And I think there was one booth that had facial analysis, right? And then they give you your biological age, right? Bio age. Yeah, yeah, yeah bio age, right? And I, I spoke to one reinsurer that says, we're trying to work on sort of, can we translate facial analysis into premiums? Yeah, is there a reinsurer doing it, right? So I'm like, wow. And I think that brings up the next question is that that's the ethical consideration, right? I mean, can we use your photo to decide on your insurance premiums, right? So I think that's... Uh, yeah, this yeah. relates to the previous question, right? The bio-age calculator, you can be right. And, and, and instead of asking so many... There's always been a you know, concern that insurers are asking too many questions. Yeah. Doing for the risk assessment, can I have a better way, right? Yeah. Uh, Bluetooth enabled, the dental brushes can detect uh, my, you know. Yeah. So there are innovations people are talking about, wearable dresses, read the parameters, you know, and it can pass, right? BioAge is uh, just one more example, right? There are a number of devices uh, we are getting, but can it be used for a mainstream? Can it affect your risk assessment? May yeah. not be immediately, right? Yeah. It's used as a, maybe a small ticket premiums, you know, yeah. can be used as a, you know, an engagement platform, but in reality, it's going to take time. It's Correct. similar to what we discussed in the previous question. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? I just want your hands up, uh, hands up or a thing. Would, if, right, if um, an insurance company were to ask you, I can give you the most accurate premium for you, right? I can give you the most accurate premium, but I need you to do one thing, right? I need to give me your, give me your blood sample. Who would, who would say, yes, sure, I'm going to go for that? Only the healthiest, right? <laughs> I got some hands up, yeah, which is great. Yeah, you would do, you would, you would say, yeah, I'm 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 gonna go for it, right? So it's interesting. Um, for those who are a bit more like, oh, I, I want to hide in the crowd, uh, I don't want to give my blood sample. So I think that's a thing. Um, uh, time is ten past eleven. I like to have guys have you have a, a decent break. I think um, so. I just want to thank all the panelists. It was a fantastic conversation. Great, wonderful to hear about um, sort of where we are right now. And again, thank you very much for enlightening us on on AI, ML, and cloud. Thank you very much. You just heard the full conversation our founder Malik Ali had with Cindy Kwa from Sunday, Raymond Wong from Zurich Insurance and Takaful Malaysia, Srinivasan Somasundaram from Cognizant, and Nipun Grover from Amazon Web Services. To listen to the full conversation, check out the podcast titled Amazon Web Services CXO Coffee Club, harnessing data for personalized insurance experiences on our BFM website or download the BFM app. This event was presented by Amazon Web Services. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.